forever. Dog. Hello, Anna Dresden. Hello, Andrew Farmer. And hey, everybody else. The listeners, our people, our public. For the podcast, scary stories. Scary stories to, to tell on the, po- on the pod. <laughs> okay, in case you couldn't already tell, Anna is still in Edinburgh doing her amazing one-person show. So I'm still in Edinburgh doing my amazing one-person show. <laughs> it's called "The Agony and the Ecstasy of Steve Jobs." <laughs> It's based on my adventures dating as a single woman in New York. Yeah. Um, and she's the only one brave enough to talk about that subject. It's it's really, it's sort of like a boat. Like it's brave <laughs> to do every day. I get on it. No, oh, it's um, so good. I'm, I'm sick to death of it. I don't know if I like performing or not. I don't know <laughs> if I like other people. I don't oh. like getting out of bed if I'm being fully honest. <laughs> and I think this is a bad country. They have a monarch, which is truly embarrassing. <laughs> Um, oh, I could just... And I find myself resenting everyone who comes to the show, especially the people who like it. <laughs> so I'm in a really healthy place and I do deserve success. <laughs> you are going to start another revolutionary war between us and the UK. Um, I, and I'm honestly, not against it. We could do worse. <laughs> we could do a whole lot worse. So because Anna is on the other side of the country, uh, maybe there's like some laggy moments or things like that. But everyone just calm down. Everyone calm down. This is a miracle. Years ago, if you moved 20 miles away from the place, your mom plopped you out of her asshole. You were never (laughs) seen again. And we're Uh, recording our voices. Whatever. Yeah. And I'm in a good mood. (laughs) Yeah. It's good. I really, I've always been a big believer in us like coming across as very aggressive at the beginning of episodes, just so people know who's in charge here. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, we're like um, mean rural people with no internet who have a lot of big dogs. Like we're not being mean. We're just being firm. And I do think, I do think already this feels we are, Anna and I are uh, adjusting to this because the last week we did it, it truly was like we were two medieval peasants uh, who were seeing a mirror for the first time. And it just didn't make any sense uh, to us. Andrew, I knew you were going to say mirror before you said it. <laughs> It was sort of like the human mind was never made to uh, process yeah. what we were doing. No, it's um, um, that's the truth. And and no one is more like a feeble-minded uh, medieval peasant than me and Andrew Farmer. Oh my god, I feel I all that like all I want to eat is like lukewarm slop and uh, I would I was about to say like I'd be great at like field work, but I would not. I think I would. Um, I think I'd be yeah. a relative that was like tucked away in an attic uh, if I lived in that time period, and I would be fine with that. You know, I think you'd be a good whittler. Yeah, as long as I had a good ceiling to look at, I mean, that would entertain me for hours. I could see you being like a five and dime store owner, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like some kind of store with a lot of barrels in it. The reality is, you like you like you and I would be a monk and nun, respectively, and. <laughs> And everyone would be yeah. like, oh, man, those two, they love God. Um, those two, they can't get enough. Yeah. They're yeah. what, 50? Oh, they're 15? Okay. <laughs> We'd be great at, like, expelling demons from local towns, I think. But instead, just, like, going into a place and being terrified. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That sounds right. Um. So, 
Anna, you are so, oh, oh my gosh. In case you're listening to this for the first time, uh, this is a podcast about all sorts of scary things, urban legends, uh, true gross stories. Uh, but one day a week, which is Monday, it's not, yeah, Monday. On Mondays, <laughs> wow, On Mondays. I'm struggling. We read a story from Alvin Schwartz and Stephen Gamble's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, uh, which is a classic children's book series that I'm sure you know of if you're listening to this. It's a trilogy of stories written by adults for children in order to make them feel scared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and wrong in their that. bodies. Yeah. And wrong in their bodies. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Which and, it did for me. Oh, fully. Oh, you know, it's a lot of, um, I was, I was reading this, as I mentioned before, to like my niece, uh, Elise, who is three years old and she was mesmerized by all the pictures of people in it, like all the illustrations of people in the books. And um, uh, the Viper, the story about the like little man with the pail who comes to like clean the woman's windows. Um, yeah. She just like kept looking at that and she was like, why is he like that? And that I feel like is my, that was my sort of id surrounding these books when I was a kid too. Like I just was always like, why is any of this like this? <laughs> who would dream this this way? Right. But it was fascinating to me. Yeah. Agree. Oh boy. Um. Whatever. Capture the minds of a generation, and that's why there's a podcast. Mm-hmm. Got it. Good. What else do you want? Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> also, it's worth noting that um, Anna is recording at 1130 uh, at night. I'm recording at 1130 at night. I've seen three shows today, including my own, while saying it. Wow. Um, I had brunch with someone. I did something else important. I don't remember. I've done five things today, and that's entirely too many things. Anna, um, plus yesterday, Anna posted an Insta story of uh, the most incredible live event I could ever imagine seeing. It looked like there were thousands of people in the show, not in the audience. There were easily hundreds. What, what, I'm going to go ahead and say too many. What was it? Um, it's called the Edinburgh Military Tattoo. It happens every year for a month ish in August wow. at the Edinburgh castle, which is really old. It's like, I think for, I'm not, I'm not sure, but I'm going to say it's from before 1400 mm-hmm. or thereabouts. That's history. And it basically, when you look at it, it is game of Thrones, um, is the, is what you'd call it. Mm-hmm. And the castle. So they put up like a football stadium outside the castle and you sit in it. And then over, like, the drawbridge. I can't say drawbridge. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuck off. We'll have a whole episode about it. It's a whole episode. It's hard. Drawbridge um, is hard. It's like marble row. I can't say that either. Anyway, go ahead. You can't. Um, but that's not about you. It's not about me. This is about my lived experience. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so they put torches all around the castle. Like, torches on fire. <gasps> oh. When was the last time you saw a fucking torch on fire? Mm. I, I, not recent. Not live. I've seen photos. Not live. And you know what? Not a not a non-tiki torch. <laughs> it was nice to just see a torch like doing what it's supposed to do. Right. Um, not held by someone who wants to limit my civil rights. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a torch held by someone who knows what a torch is. But <laughs> so basically what it is, they had uh the president of NATO there or like a former president of NATO who's an American come out for like the official salute. Oh my God. 
Um, and it's like a guy came out and spoke ancient Gaelic, like Scottish Gaelic. Oh, the funniest language. And then they did an official, truly wild. Yeah. It sounds like a dog chasing a beach ball. Eden, Eden, or um, yeah, it's it's wild. It's all it bounces, and then they do a shot of scotch together. A shot of and scotch. Then, yes, and then out walks I'd say two hundred bagpipers, and they move in 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 different arrangements to please the head of NATO who's watching from the stands. And then there's there's trumpets. There's I don't. Okay. 200 bagpipe. And they're so close. Too many. Like one bagpiper a half mile away is like how you're supposed to listen to bagpiping, you know? So the concept of 200, like 40 feet from you is jaw dropping to me. It was thrilling. Um, The thing about the military tattoo is that it's marching bands and the military. And it's not just from Scotland. It's from other countries, Mm -hmm. like former Commonwealth countries. But also, like, Germany was there. This event had everything. It was, uh, there were projections. There was plot. Um, there was dancers. It, it just, there it, were too many bagpipers. It was very, it reminded me so much of the Triwizard Tournament from the Harry Potter books. Yeah. Which so I haven't read in is, 20 years. But. I, I don't know anything about Harry Potter, but I know that it was written in Edinburgh by J.K. Rowling when she was, like, Rolling around in a pile of shit or something <laughs> when she wrote the book. Like, <laughs> did you know that J.K. Rowling was actually chowing down on a big turd burger when she wrote Harry Potter? <laughs> oh my god! I can't wait. For, I can't wait for the anti stands of this podcast who just <laughs> just come for us mercilessly and ducks our whole ass. Talks my <laughs> my whole ass. Got doxxed. <laughs> oh no. Wow. Oh God, I'm so loopy. I want to go. Um, I know. I want to go just to see this event. It was insane. Um, <laughs> Trinidad and Tobago really took it. Um, they had people on stilts. They actually, they had a very scary um, carnival character. Who, uh, let me look up what this character's name is. Because his whole vibe is very Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, Trinidad and Tobago. Wow. So, yeah, it's the whole Yeah, they won. They won the whole thing. It's a competition. Uh, no, but, but they you won. Know. Yeah. It's sort of like, um, like in Divas Live on VH1. Like someone wins. It's not a competition, but it's like, you know who won the Diva off. Yes. <laughs> Uh, let me see. The Jab Molassi. Let me see if that's him. Okay. That sounds right. I think so. Yeah. No. No, this guy's blue. I love this, when countries okay, have so mascots. So someone came out. Someone came out. It's. It wasn't like a country mascot. It was like, um, it was characters in Carnival. Oh, So oh, this guy came duh. out yeah. and he's wearing like uh, a black sort of sombrero. Okay. Um, and he's scary. He sort of looked like a, um, pirate. Okay. Uh, he wasn't a bat. Where is this? Kind of a Papa Legba kind of character or like Baron Samity. I think those are, um, I, I cannot speak with any, uh, 
officiants about that. It's just he was a character in oh, American Horror Story. I got Story. it. Okay, what is it? His name is Midnight Rabber. <gasps> Ooh. Wait, no. That sounds like a Bruce Springsteen song. Maybe Midnight Rabber. No, he was like death. Um, <laughs> what sorry, if What if you look back at the footage and you don't see him anywhere? And you're like, remember I when that long leggedy, <laughs> the long leggedy midnight robber who was death came yeah, out and people yeah. were like, mm, he died 10 years ago. Um, it feels important to fight. Yeah, it's Midnight Robber. Okay, he's very scary. Okay. Um, and he, they came out on like stilts that were the size of a human body. <laughs> and there's like spooky music and it's the opening. So it starts with a scary thing, which I think is great because then it built to this big celebration where like then at the end, even he's celebrating. Yeah, give it a journey. Um, but he came out with a rolling, like a glamour fog, like a Miss America fog. Mm-hmm. He comes out and he's in a spotlight, which this whole event is like run by spotlights. <laughs> Um, and every kid in the stadium goes at the same time. There's like maybe 3000 people there. Every kid goes scary. I'm scared. Are they fans of the pod? Yeah, I, I think they are. How great, how great that we've turned our, one of our catchphrases into just a very common word. Scary. scary. Yeah. That's our Paris Hilton, um, turn a trademark. That's hot. Yeah. I, it's. I love it. Just a sticker that says scary. Put it on a binder. Yeah. Um, and how um, long was the event? Uh, it was two hours long. I had to leave a little early because I was doing a stand-up show hosted by a reality star from Britain. Okay. Who I did not know, um, but he was nice. That's good. But I it, I wanted to stay till the end, um, but my friend was like, you should go now because this whole event will march down the street that you need to walk down <gasps> in order to get there. And you'll be stuck behind like a thousand bagpipes. <laughs> um, so at the very end, more bagpipes that I've ever seen in my life come out from each side and all walk through each other. Mm. And at that moment I had to stand up and like move down an entire roll of people. Wow. I wonder if people, I wonder if people in the audience were like, she's too scared. Like, she's she's terrified. This really scared she's her. Really too much. Really scared. too much big noise. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. I yeah. I gotta go see it. I maybe everyone else knows about this thing, but it was the part of the big surprise for me. No, I, I had no idea this thing I even existed, and it, it seems like such a. It seems like the Olympics, but with no sports, which is like how I would prefer the Olympics to be. It was exactly like an Olympics opening ceremony that lasted really like forever. Yeah. Oh, and now I'm excited for the next Olympics yeah. opening ceremony. Anyway, we should probably get back anyway. to scary things. Um, so, Anna, you are reading today's scary story. Um, I am. What is it? Y'all, um, I'm sorry, a group of excitable young people is walking past my window. <laughs> they all have bagpipes. My, uh, they all do. God, it's so fun to like not go out to parties and then just see like where I live is right on a route between two party places. Uh-huh. So I just see young, excitable people um, <laughs> walking. <laughs> okay. So my story really frightened me when I was um, young. And then also when I revisited this, when I read it as like a 15 or 16 year old, I kind of had a renaissance with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it scared me a lot then, and I do remember fully telling the entire story to my mom and her um, also being scared. Um, this story is, maybe you will remember. <gasps> this one is 
this one terrified me. I'm so excited you're doing this. Okay. It's very scary. And the other reason I'm reading it is because I'm traveling right now. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Maybe you will remember. Mrs. Gibbs and her 16-year-old daughter, Rosemary, arrived in Paris on a hot morning in July. Okay. That's scary. Yeah. Too hot. They had been on a vacation and were, and now we're returning home. But Mrs. Gibbs did not feel well, so they decided to rest in Paris for a few days before going on. The city was crowded with tourists. Also scary. Mm. Still, they found a place to stay at a good hotel. Which, like, you know that they Googled good hotel. Right. (laughs) Good, not bad, hotel, air conditioning, big tub. Tall. Pizza restaurant. Giant carpet. (laughs) Pizza restaurant. Um, They found a place to stay at a good hotel, brag. They had a lovely room overlooking a park. It had yellow walls, a blue carpet, and white furniture. Mm, um, that's too much. I'm just picturing it, and that's uh, like a children's television show set. Right. That's like that. Yeah, that is that white furniture, yellow walls, blue carpet. That's that's like the set for Mamma Mia. It's like the set of a very, very friendly family who has truly heinous beliefs. (laughs) Or there's also a version of it, which is just very much a high school theater set where it's like, yeah, this is what this is what a living space looks like. Yellow walls, blue carpet. Yeah. A big half sort of Che Che Bang Bang. I have sort of cuckoo's nest. A big map of of Detroit. They're rich. (laughs) And then like a bunch of vodka bottles as decoration. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and inexplicably a big prop ham. <laughs> like who on earth just puts out a big ham? God, is there something to like a sketch that's an everything must go clearance ad for the prop closet? <laughs> yeah. That, I I will say um the the building the building my husband and I live in, uh for a long time the interior looked like it had been put together by like three high schoolers that were like, we got to get this set for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang done now. The walls were <laughs> deep blue with like orange sponging. I, I've, I can't even describe to you how insane it was. And at, That's the walls in the building itself, not in your Not apartment. in my apartment. God, no. But the right, walls right, in the right. building itself. And, and then the pool area was a lot like that too where it was like – um, blood red walls, like really light blue pool, yellow ceiling. It made no sense. Anyway. Just like straight people. Um, <laughs> but okay. So that's the aesthetic. As soon as they unpacked, what? That to me, that's like, that's a class thing. If you, if you come from a well-heeled family, you unpack in a hotel. What yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. I'm always like, who uses the who uses the dresser at a hotel? I don't trust it. That's the. Uh, <laughs> I I used the dresser in Airbnb when I was there for almost three weeks, and I thought <laughs> that I was being eccentric. <laughs> um, as soon as they unpacked for one night. Oh, for one night! No, oh, that's that's outrageous. Okay, sorry. No, this is wrong. And she's feeling sick. You have your teenager help you unpack while you're sick mm. for one night. That's insane. This seems fraud. Um, as soon as they unpacked, Mrs. Gibbs went to bed. She looked so pale that Rosemary asked to have the do- hotel's doctor examine her. Rosemary did not speak French, but fortunately, the doctor spoke English. 
the stories about the perils of um, not being multilingual. Yeah, I'd imagine a hospital, a, a doctor with a a doctor at a hotel. That's wild. Ugh. I used to work at a hotel and people would sometimes come down and ask for the hotel doctor. I was like, what is storybook that, do you think we live in? Is that a European thing? I think so. I think also people just assume that the barrier to healthcare is what it is in European yeah. countries, which it's not. A doc, it, you do actually if ho- you've got to suck the doctor ass <laughs> in order to. If hotels see. had doctors in America, it would just there would be like one thing that they would always know. It's like, yeah, you're not having a heart attack. You had too much bloomin' onion at Outback Steakhouse and you have heartburn. Like that would just be every single thing. Yeah, you ate too much bloomin' yeah. onion. Our stupid human bodies were never meant to travel more than three miles, so that's why you're shitting. That'll be $1,000. Um, okay, great. Fortunately, the doctor spoke English. He took one look at Mrs. Gibbs and said, your mother is too sick to travel. Tomorrow I will move her to a hospital, but she needs a certain medicine. If you go to my home for it, it will save time. No. No. She's 16. No. I, although I do remember as a kid being like, 16 an adult. That seems right. Yeah, I recall Rosemary being like 23. Right, that would be my – which even now I'm like, I wouldn't trust a 23-year-old with, you know, a glass of water. I also can't picture a 16-year-old girl being like, oh, no, I'm concerned about my mother's nonverbal cues that she's not feeling well. (laughs) Let me um, delegate myself a task (laughs) to talk to multiple adults. (laughs) Oh, brother. Um, uh, close quote. The doctor said he did not have a telephone right now. Okay. Wow. Well, you know, at least it's aspirational. I don't have one now, but really hoping yeah. to get one in a week. I gave it to my son <laughs> as a gift. For camp. <laughs> I gave it to my son as a gift for camp. It's a gift to the Magi of that where it's like, here's, a, here's our phone for camp so you can call home, but then you don't have the phone anymore. So what are you going to do? Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, he didn't have a telephone right now. Instead, he would give Rosemary a note for his wife. This is a sex game. This is like a the hotel. Who's the who's the person who makes like long, complicated machines that do simple tasks? Rube Goldberg. Yep. This is like a Rube Goldberg thing about how to heal this mother. It's like I don't have a telephone. Here's a note for my wife to get the pills to take them back, and we'll, yeah, like it's just too many steps. He did think of this right away, so I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't be quick to criticize. That's true. That's true. I need to be fair. I've panicked while trying to order a sandwich before, so I can't. Uh, here, okay. Um, for just start. How about you give me twenty dollars first, and then I'll give you twenty three dollars for my sandwich. So should I? Sorry, quick question. Do I like um, sandwiches? <laughs> just real quick at this restaurant. Do I like sandwiches? <laughs> um, okay. The hotel manager put Rosemary in a taxi and, in French, told the driver how to find the doctor's house. It will only take a little while, he told her, and the taxi will bring you back. Mm. But as the driver slowly drove up one street and down another, it seemed to take forever. At one point, Rosemary was sure they had gone down the same street twice. I feel like there's better ways to fuck with people. I don't know. I think he could have driven. We'll talk about this. It took almost as long for the doctor's wife to answer the door, then get the medicine ready. As Rosemary sat on a bench in the empty waiting room, she kept thinking, why can't you hurry? Please hurry. Then she heard a telephone ring somewhere in the house. But the doctor said he didn't have a telephone right now. What was going on? 
They drove back as slowly as they had come, crawling up one street and down another. Rosemary sat in the back seat filled with dread, her mother's medicine clutched in her hand. Why was everything taking so long? She was sure the taxi driver was going in the wrong direction. Are you going to the right hotel? She asked. He didn't answer. She asked again, but still, he didn't reply. When he stopped for a traffic light, she threw open the door and ran from the cab. She stopped a woman on the street. The woman did not speak English, but she knew someone who did. Rosemary was right. They had been driving in the wrong direction. When she finally got back to the hotel, it was early evening. She went up to the desk clerk who had given them their room. I'm Rosemary Gibbs, she said. My mother and I are in room 505. May I please have the key? The clerk looked at her closely. You must be mistaken, he said. There is another guest in that room. Are you sure you're in the right hotel? He turned to help someone else, which like you haven't completed the interaction. What are you doing? I know. You know. Yeah. You worked as a concierge for a long time. And I was an asshole to people, but you don't end a conversation on a question. Right. Um, he turned to help someone else. She waited until he was finished. You gave us that room yourself when we arrived this morning, she said. How could you forget? He stared at her like she had lost her mind. You must be mistaken, he said. I have never seen you before. Are you sure you're in the right hotel? She asked to see the registration card they had filled out when they arrived. It's June and Rosemary Gibbs, she said. The clerk looked in the file. We have no card for you, he said. You must be in the wrong hotel. The hotel doctor will know me, Rosemary replied. He examined my mother when we arrived. He sent me for medicine she needs. I want to see him. The doctor came downstairs. Here is the medicine for my mother, Rosemary said, holding it out to him. Your wife gave it to me. I have never seen you before, he said. You must be in the wrong hotel. She asked the hotel manager who had put her in the taxi. Surely he would remember her. You must be in the wrong hotel, he said. Let me give you a room where you can rest. Then maybe you will remember where you and your mother are staying. I want to see our room, Rosemary said, raising her voice. It's room 505. But it was nothing like the room she remembered. It had a double bed, not twin beds. The furniture was black, not white. The carpet was green, not blue. Not blue. There was someone else's clothing in the closet. Okay, other people unpacked? What the hell? Yeah, what is, what is this swanky-ass hotel where everyone's like, I need so, to fully live here? Black furniture and white and green carpet? And yeah, with still yellow wallpaper. That's insane. That's even worse. Oh my God. That's, that's like a Ninja Turtle-themed room. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Um, the room she had, she knew had vanished and so had her mother. This is not the room. She said, where is my mother? What have you done with her? You are in the wrong hotel. The manager said patiently as if he were speaking to a young child, No. which to be fair, she's 16. Yeah. Rosemary asked to see the police. My mother, our things, the room, they have all disappeared. She told them, are you sure you are in the right hotel? They asked. She went to her embassy for help. Are you sure it's the right hotel, they asked. Rosemary thought she was losing her mind. Why don't you rest here for a while, they said. Then maybe you'll remember. Dot, dot, dot. And now famously, this story has a parenthetical at the end of it. Which is such a crazy structure. I I can't get over it. I'm sorry, go ahead. I sort of love it. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, they just do it nowhere else in the series. And so I remember like before I understood that there could be like, a sequel to this, I was like, this is the scariest thing I can imagine and there's no resolution. I know. I also don't know if I read the back thing at the time because I didn't like following instructions. 
Um, so, okay. Uh, parentheses. But Rosemary's problem was not her memory. It was what she did not know. Read on to find out the truth. Oh, I think this, I'm reading from a website. I think it had turned to page yeah. 113 or whatever. Right. It was kind of a choose your own adventure where you had zero agency. It was just like. It was just one option. Yeah, you're going to this next page. Yeah. Yeah. So this was turned into like an index in the back. Uh-huh. What happened to Rosemary's mother, dot, dot, dot. When the hotel doctor saw Mrs. Gibbs, he knew at once that she was about to die. She had a form of the plague, (sighs) a dread disease that killed quickly and caused frightening epidemics. If the word got out that a woman had died of the plague in the heart of Paris, there would be panic. People in the hotel and elsewhere would rush to escape. The doctor knew what the hotel owners expected. He uh, He was to keep the case a secret. Otherwise, they would lose lots of money. This is why private I don't know, private man. medical care does not I, work. I have worked in hotels before. No one works together this cohesively. <laughs> um, this is what happens when people like make enough money at their job. They like care about it. <laughs> <laughs> they work in tandem. I know. Oh no, this will be bad for the industry we work in. <laughs> Let's mobilize. Um To get Rosemary out of the way, the doctor sent her to the other side of Paris for some worthless medicine. I remember the word worthless feeling really um, sharp. Yeah, what's worthless medicine? Like emergency? Worthless medicine. I also love that that, the note to his wife was like, hey, Marguerite, um, could you give (laughs) this American girl the worthless medicine? And her being like, oh, okay. And and then like take as long as possible. She's like, okay, solved. I know, like, hey, so this girl's mother's about to die. We're tricking her. We're going to gaslight her until she almost dies. And can you give her a thing? I know you're at home, like, eating bonbons or whatever is the fuck that you do. Right. Um, would you mind helping me ruin this person's life? Yeah, this is – there's kind of some uh, xenophobia in here of, like, the French are untrustworthy. Like, that's kind of the vibe. I mean. You know, who's to say? Who's to say? To get Rosemary out of the way, the doctor sent her to the other side of Paris for some worthless medicine. As he expected, Mrs. Gibbs died soon after she left. Oh, God. Her body was smuggled. That's how the plague works? Her body. No, I don't think it is. <laughs> I think the plague is, like, not really a big deal. <laughs> not to famously, be stupid, but. Famously, the plague is famously, not a big deal. <laughs> plague, NBD. Um I think it was just that people like rubbed corpse shit in each other's faces as a way of saying hello. Oh. And like everyone just sort of died. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to feel better. Let's all bite the biggest bite we can out of the person who just died. <laughs> um, her body was smuggled out of the hotel to a cemetery where it was buried. A team of workmen cr- quickly repainted the room. And replaced everything in it. I'm like, what is it? Um, which I find it hard to believe that a crew of like French interior designers were able to rush. Yeah, the big, the big like scariness here is how capable these people are of collaboration. Like, I, 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 I just can't imagine getting anything done this quickly. This is a great hotel. I know they said it was a good hotel. <laughs> Google yielded the. This is a good. Results. It's called. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's called Good Hotel. The desk clerks were... Sorry. Hey, Andrew? Yes. I know. Andrew. I know. I'm in a bad way. That wasn't the lag. That was you telling me you don't respect 
women. I know. I should l- just replace me right now. Women, I will. Yep. You're canceled. <laughs> I'm getting Midnight Robert. He's going to be here. <laughs> He's based on cowboys. Um, the desk clerks were ordered to tell Rosemary that she was in the wrong hotel. When she insisted on seeing her room, it had become a different place. And of course, her mother had vanished. All those involved were warned that they would lose their jobs if they gave away the secret. To avoid panic in the city, the police and the newspapers agreed to say nothing of the death. The newspapers? Wow. Who is telling the newspapers? I can't plan dinner with three friends. Like, this is amazing. (laughs) This is astounding. I know. No police reports were filed. No news stories appeared. It was as if Rosemary's mother and her room had never existed. Really scary. This one. Also, I, I think... This might, so this is from some website. I feel like it left out the thing. I thought the phone ringing when she was in the house was them calling to say that her mother had died, but I guess her mother had died hours before. Oh, oh this one is so upsetting to me. It's just like a very sad story about about a 16-year-old girl being gaslit by an entire country. I know. Wow. I know. How? Yeah, that's what scared me about it was like, never being sure of my own ideas and then having people so strongly. I also fear losing my mind. Mm. So this story really gets me. Yeah. I mean, also her poor mom and then her, and then like, then she's got to go home and like, assumedly the rest of her family is like, Hey, yeah, you did leave with mom to go on this vacation. You know, like we have the credit card report of like, you got, you, you did go to this hotel. So like what, would this escalate into like an international event or would our country also be like, no, you're crazy. Bye. I don't know. I feel like if it's just Rosemary and her mom traveling, the dad is not in the picture. Mm, That's a good point. Maybe. That's a good point. And like women are crazy. So like, I don't think (sighs) this, I feel like Rosemary would lose her mind and be institutionalized after this. Oh, wow. That's even sadder. Oh my God. And that's why this, you know what? This isn't Rosemary Gibbs. You know who this is a story of? Rosemary Kennedy. Oh, I was going to say Rosemary of Rosemary's Baby, but Rosemary Kennedy is infinitely sadder. Wow. Then she goes back because where's her family when she meets the actor? If she had a mom, if she had a mom who was concerned about things, she wouldn't have, you know, she'd have someone to talk to. That's really true. Oh, gosh. And that's why I recommend don't ever leave the house. I, um, the plague element always what? really scared me about this story too. Like, where did she Same get more. it? Okay, well, plagues are scary. Yeah, like, why did her mom get it and she didn't? Right, and where where they had been traveling, so she got it somewhere else right. or in the city potentially. Oh my god! By the way, this I, I'm sure is completely false, but it did. It was a very scary experience to have. A couple weeks ago, I was in an Uber, and the Uber driver was like. Um, we were just like talking, he was like from New York. We were talking about New York, blah, blah. And I was like, how do you like Los Angeles? He had just moved here, which I was sort of like, what a bold move to move to Los Angeles and immediately become an Uber driver. And that made me not trust him so much. And then, um, he was like, it's fine. He was like, I'm, um, a bit scared about this, like stuff about the plague. And I was like, what? And he was like, well, there's in Skid Row, like, um, a lot of the homeless communities there, like people are starting to get the plague. And I, and I like challenged it for a second where I was like, 
I don't know that that you can like just generate the plague from nowhere. Like it doesn't just like happen because you're homeless. But then quickly I was like, oh, I just I'm just not going to really participate in this conversation anymore because this guy, something else is happening. And then he like talked a long time about the plague and how like what his plan was if it were to happen and, you know, how like we haven't stockpiled enough, you know, uh, medicine to treat it. And I, I just was sort of like, Oh gosh, is this a bioterrorist? Oh my God. I think it's like people living in close proximity. Yeah. It, it, but, but where oh. does it, it would have to come from somewhere. Although I remember reading a thing too. I think rats. Yeah. Yeah. I, there was something, maybe it's not the plague, but I remember there was, there being a thing in Florida at least where we were just like, don't touch armadillos because the plague is on them or something. There's some disease that armadillos carry or leprosy. Maybe it was leprosy. It is on them. <laughs> no, it was leprosy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't touch as a, as a, a product of the Florida public school system, two big things I've learned. Don't touch armadillos at all and don't. Touch Ever. a turtle and then put your finger in your mouth because you'll get salmonella. That's all I that's yes. all I learned. But I learned it. And then the mommy turtle won't give nursing to the baby turtle because <laughs> smell like person. Um, what would you say, if anything, is the moral of this story? Um uh, I, everyone's out to get you, I think. Yeah. What about you? I think that's fair. Um, for me, I think it's like that thing that they tell you, like, oh, if you go to France and you don't speak French, they're going to be mad at you. Mm. It's true. Yeah, learn the language. All this would be solved. Learn French or they will put in so much effort to ruin your ass. Also, in the secondary moral, if you feel like you're going the opposite way in a cab, even if you don't know maps at all, like, just say, like, are we going the most direct route? And then it'll kind of like, it's like, oh, you know. If they are giving you the runaround, that just lets them know, like, yeah, oblivious. But that I, it's just so rare that I have a gut feeling. So, like, <laughs> that's such a good, that's such good advice. Because anytime, like, maybe I'm imagining it, it's like, it's a gut feeling for a reason. Although, any time I do something like that, it is the time when they're like, no, actually, I'm avoiding a huge traffic jam, and I was actually trying to help you, and you're a monster for not trusting me. Exactly. And then I feel um, Who would you cast and who would we cast for, um, let's say first for the mom? Oh, the mom, I would say um, kind of for fun, like a Beverly D'Angelo type. The mom from uh, National Lampoon's Vacation and all the National Lampoon like vacation movies. Um, and it would be sort of okay. like, uh, like she, you remember her from a fun vacation, but this is not a fun vacation. Yeah. Who would you cast? Okay, that's good. Um, I keep picturing Kathy Bates, which I feel like is lazy casting. And oh, no, I can see that. Really too old. No, I can see that. Um, anytime you're casting and you say, I don't know, she's probably too old, you're probably wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. Emma um, Stone is ancient. Maybe like a Dakota fanning. <laughs> um, but. Yeah. Yeah. And. Who, like who would you cast as the doctor? Um, the doctor, I keep picturing Ian Holm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Who's the actor from Inglorious Bastards who won the Oscar for that? And he plays all. Oh, Christoph Waltz. Yeah, I can. I kind of see a Christoph oh. Waltz sort of character. You know, he's so fucking hot to me. <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh my god. Wow. Yes. Have you been there when he's hosted SNL? No, no. I think that was either a season or two before I got mm. there. But I really liked his hosting. I thought he was. Really yeah, funny. I remember being very funny. Yeah, I now that I think about it, I can I can see that. I can see that. At him as like a hunk. um. No, I like that. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I picture all the characters in the story as Poirot. <gasps> David Suchet. Like all the French. Yeah. No Poirot. Oh, just the character. <laughs> he not a person. Yeah. <laughs> he not a person to me. Oh. Yeah, if we've learned anything about Poirot, is that he not a person? He he no person. <laughs> Anna, this is um, really scary. How about what about Rosemary? Mm. Um, I, I, I'm only saying this because I just can't get enough of her, and I know I you know I just have, I'm so bad at this, and that like because there's a long time sometimes between us recording podcasts, I often say the exact. I'm not going to say Ansel Elgort. <laughs> But it's Ansel. It's Ansel Elgort. But um, I just I just started watching Euphoria, and I'm just like Zendaya is so good and so watchable, um, and so yeah, compelling. Man. And I feel like seeing her in kind of a thriller in Paris, like trying to get to the bottom of something, I would watch for hours. I think that's true. I think that's really good. Um, I think I would go the other way and cast someone who's just such a full nothing. <laughs> Like a non-actor. Yeah. I'm serious. I like a, a full non-actor in this part, like someone who's just good at reciting dialogue yep. um, to do sort of a Rosemary's Baby kind of weak-handed, like 1970s horror movie heroine. Uh, yeah, I love a normcore. Sort of thing. Yeah. Just really underplayed. Because like the more she seems helpless, I think... Can you imagine the scarier it is. this as um like the, this would be like directed by like Harmony Corinne, I feel. You know? Like all non-actors, but one like super famous person, maybe Kathy Bates, you know what I mean? Um and then yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. else is like, "Ugh, this place is filthy." You know, like just they're all doing kind of gross things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so that's the story. This is one of the most viscerally this is one of the most viscerally upsetting stories to me. Anything anything in these books when like a parent dies, I'm always like, oh God, that always really scares me. It's just people being really cruel to each other. I think that's why it's so scary. Right. The concept of the concept of a whole group of people trying to seem helpful but are actually covering their own asses and with zero regard to you, that's very scary to me. Yeah, and the story basically is like Everything that stresses me out about the world right now is <laughs> like um, personal liberty and like the sanctity of human life yeah. being thrown away for like corporate capitalistic interests. Yeah. Oof. Oh, no. Oh, no. It also kind of just reminds me of middle school in general. It's like everyone's being nice to your face and being like, oh, here's something helpful. And in reality, it's all just a big it's all just like a big scheme for everyone else to like get their way. And that scares me. You think you're at a pool party, but it turns out it's just worthless medicine. <laughs> worthless medicine. If we did if we did oh episode names, that would probably be the an episode name for this one. Um yeah. this one's so good, Anna. Thank you. I thought I'd mix it up and do one that isn't about um witches or animals. Yeah, we've really leaned hard into that. 
And this one is this one it. is the horror of the real world. You know? It no, is. No, um, nothing supernatural, which is very scary. No. And that's that's why it scares me the most. Mm-hmm. I remember being distinctly scared by the furniture. Oh yeah. I don't trust I wouldn't trust that place at all. There's another story that talks about furniture and like what the room looks like. Oh, that one's super scary. Yeah. It's it's staying in a place where you don't um, like staying when you're traveling in a place where you're like, like the design choices make no sense is a, is a, is like a deep, like queer horror, you know, but it implies. Literally that is where I'm staying right now. Oh no. I'm in an Airbnb set up by like, a bunch of 22-year-old boys, and the only decorations are Ikea votive candles. Oh, no. <laughs> They're everywhere. <gasps> I- I'm looking at an empty television entertainment center that is full of votives. They were like guests like votives. That was a thought. Yeah, they're like, uh, these are cheap. <laughs> they like didn't trust themselves to put together. I just don't think they left enough time. And also, like, the entire entertainment center shelves are empty, and there also wasn't a TV on it, and I had to tell them to buy a TV. <laughs> oh, good for you, though. <laughs> well, they asked. They were like, is there anything else you need? Because it was just... Yeah. I They just renovated. They also switched the address. This feels were like, like a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is the updated address, and it's, like, three blocks away. Oh, no. Um... <laughs> It's a nice place, but it is – everything is beige, beige on beige on beige. I had to move the lamps around because they were, like, in the center of the room. Whoa. It's just – Yeah, you got to – a lot of You got to get out of there. chairs. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> it is literally midnight in the most haunted fucking city on the planet. You stupid bitch. <laughs> Andrew's a stupid bitch. Everyone tweeted That's him. That's true. And and you know what? They will. <laughs> I can't fight it. I can't fight it and I won't. Hearing a playwriting teacher from like a private university say, yeah, I guess I'm a stupid <laughs> bitch. Feels like a victory. I know. No, it's good. It's good. It's for the best. Oh. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's um, scary podcast. Yeah, thanks so much, Anna. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Um, we have our uh, Urban Legisode coming out on Wednesday. Yeah, tune in Wednesday. Right? Oh, and also Wayne's we've got day. some social media now, guys, if you want to follow us. Dude. It took, Andrew, do you remember it off the I top? do. I do because it took forever. Anna and I spent – there are like a thousand podcasts called like Scary Podcast, Scary Story Podcast, Scary Stories. And um, it just became fully insane what we ended up – having to to settle on but i anna pitched it which was very good it's just scary story underscore pod right yeah that's right that sounds right. scary story underscore pod. the options we were going through were like scary pod ass <laughs> scary poo scary potties was the back up which i also really liked a lot scary potties scary pod scary loud yeah scary potties um, scare, scare, potty, scare, scare. <laughs> but it's none of those. It's scary story underscore pod on Instagram or Twitter. Um, yeah, tweeted us. Also, tweeted us your scary stories. Instagram us your scary stories. We've got like spooky, scary news stories on there. Pictures from uh, Anna and myself's shared past. All sorts of 
extra stuff for you to check out. You'll love it. We are imploring you. If you are listening to my voice right now, you have the ability and the drive and the follow through to send us your true ghost story, whether it was something told by to you by a girl you went to camp with, something your mom told you about. Please email us your true quote unquote ghost stories. Yeah. And we will we'll read them on the pod. Or just um just at me and call me a stupid bitch and really upset my parents. Whatever you want to do. Please do yeah. both. <laughs> this is not an or situation. I'm gonna need both. Hi, Andrew, it's mom. We're just really we want to check in about you about all these ads you're getting, and it's just just want to make sure you're okay. Oh, and also, also, I'm supposed to say you're a stupid <laughs> bitch. Oh. Joe Beth Farmer saying you're a stupid bitch, really. Dude, that bends the dream mind. Dream come true. Well, bye, friend Anna. Bye, friend Anna. And everybody else, and get out. Get out. Forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.